hour number two. Pete Callender here. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. A report from Greg Piper at JustTheNews.com. This is John Solomon's website. A former vice president for the EcoHealth Alliance claims that his organization developed SARS-CoV-2 through gain-of-function research that makes viruses more dangerous. Anthony Fauci, hardest hit. EcoHealth Alliance is a major funder of the WIV, or the WIVE, the WIV, I think, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The process of developing SARS-CoV-2 COV2 was also described in detail in the proposal submitted to and ultimately funded by the National Institutes of Health, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, by EcoHealth Alliance with the WIV and UNC, Chapel Hill. They were all listed as collaborators according to the sworn declaration of Andrew Huff, the former vice president for the EcoHealth Alliance. The statement is included in a much larger packet dated September 12th, posted by Renz, R-E-N-Z, Renz, that is the attorney representing Andrew Huff. This lawyer, Thomas Renz, represents clients challenging COVID-19 mandates. And apparently this was directed to Wisconsin GOP Senator Ron Johnson, whose name is in the file name. The packet has irregular punctuation and capitalization throughout, however. Which I think makes it part of QAnon, right? That's the... (laughs) Here's Here's a quote. Um... That Renz, the attorney, writes in the summary, quote, Anthony Fauci funded the creation of SARS-CoV-2 and lied to Congress about funding gain-of-function research. That is also a claim recently made by former CDC director Robert Redfield. Anthony Fauci and others coordinated to cover up the funding of the gain-of-function work that resulted in SARS-CoV-2. As I understand it, and again, I'm not a scientist here, uh, gain of function essentially says, look, all right, we know these viruses are going to mutate. That's what viruses do, right? Uh, viruses, virus. And so they, they mutate, they change in order to, uh, to spread and to survive and to get into a new hosts and they're constantly evolving. And, uh, so in order to speed that process up and, and you can argue that there is a, uh, you know, there's a scientific rationale behind this, which is, uh, all right, look, we're going to, uh, we're going to take a look at this virus. Okay, we looked at the virus. Now, what happens when the virus mutates? What does it turn into? What are ways that this thing could mutate? Let's study the ways that it could mutate in order to identify that mechanism so we can short-circuit that mechanism. In other words, to try to stop a virus from mutating. So I understand the rationale behind doing the research, why you would want to to look at how to prevent viruses from mutating so this way you can wipe them out, right? Well, gain of function says, okay, uh, again, this is my layman's understanding of it, is to say, all right, we know the virus is going to mutate, but we don't want to hang around and wait for it to do so because it could, t- it could take a while. 
And we don't want to infect a whole bunch of people and then wait around to see how it mutates. So why don't we kind of just speed it up, right? Why don't, why don't we, we, we give it extra functions, right? These gain, it, it will gain functions. And so it will mutate more rapidly so it can get to these, uh, these, these different permutations and mutations that are further away from the original source. And we can then study how it replicates and how it mutates down the line. I understand, again, the scientific rationale for why you would pursue this. That being said incredibly dangerous, right? Incredibly dangerous because you don't know how it's going to mutate. And if it mutates into some sort of super bug that I don't know, can like get through the, the, the glass partitions and the concrete walls and can become super, super infectious, you know, and then like, uh, just like time travel over to a wet market, you know, a block away or something, and then infect a whole bunch of people that are eating bat soup like that. Yeah, you don't have any idea how a virus uh, could could uh, break containment. I mean, maybe you could also leave a door or two open. Somebody's like got the sniffles and they wipe their nose on their sleeve. And oh, my gosh, you just got some of the stuff into your nose. And then they go out to the wet market, buy some bat soup and bam, now you've released a pandemic on the planet. By the way, like I, I, I am being sarcastic here, but I do believe, I, I believe personally that the evidence is, it is uh, more in favor of man-made virus got released out of a lab. I don't know if it was purposeful or if it was accidental. I don't know. I've covered this over the last two years, dating back to when I was doing the podcast. Um, you know, we cited... Uh, the advertisements the, that went into local newspapers trying to find, uh, you know, new employees at the WIV, which was really weird because, like, some people who had gotten sick and then just disappeared and now they're trying to fill their positions at the lab, <laughs> you know, just completely coincidental. So to me, there is there is and this is not beyond a reasonable doubt criminal standard to convict, but it is, in my view, Civil case, civil court standard. This is this is a preponderance of the evidence. This is a this is a balancing of the evidence, and and fifty percent plus one leads me to conclude that this is more likely the explanation that they were messing around with the viruses, and they were doing it in this lab. The lab had all of these prior problems with different stuff getting out, and it got out, and that's why we saw the response the way uh, uh, that we saw. We saw the World Health Organization say, oh, you know, it's totally okay, right? Because you, you had China lying about it because, you know, they're commies, and that's what communists do. They lie about stuff. Um, and, you know, you had uh, the, the funding connections that go back here. So people had interests that were now, uh, that, you know, that, that were now compromised. To me, that's, that what's, that's what seems most likely and has for a while. And so now this is not surprising. The former vice president of EcoHealth Alliance coming out and saying that, no, oh, this was gain-of-function work that we were doing. And uh, this guy, Huff, who is the former VP for EcoHealth Alliance, he's a former U.S. Army infantryman in Iraq, former research fellow in the Department of Homeland Security. He shared the full packet of information on Twitter, saying it was sent to the U.S. Senate and to the Congress last week. But, keep this in mind, 
He has a book coming out this fall called The Truth About Wuhan. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying that completely discredits him. I'm not saying it supports him. But he also has obviously an interest. This is his case that he is making. And maybe he feels like he has to make it in a book form. Um, But he has an interest, a financial stake here. Okay, so just keep that in mind as well. Now, there's another component here. New York Post reporting that Fauci admitted he knew that the lockdowns were going to have collateral negative consequences on school children. His words. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. New York Post reporting, although actually I guess this is, this might be Fox News, just republished at the NewYorkPost.com, NYPost.com. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Director Dr. Anthony Fauci, St. Anthony the Fauci, admitted Wednesday that he knew the, quote, draconian COVID-19 policies he pushed for would lead to collateral negative consequences for the economy and school children. See, again, it's the noble lie, right? The noble lie, just like, don't get masked up, people. Don't go out and buy the mask. Masks don't work. They're not going to help you at all, right? And then, of course, it's, okay, actually, everybody wear like seven masks. What changed? Well, see, I had to lie to you in order to make sure we had enough of the PPE for everyone on the front lines. We had to make sure the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses, that they all had the protective equipment. So I told you don't get the masks. Maybe some people died from not being masked up, but it was all in designed to protect the lives of the frontline workers. Okay. The noble lie. But here's the thing about the noble lie. Is that once exposed as the lie, then uh, you you go away. You, you get fired. Because you're a liar. Right? You've admitted that you lied. Doesn't matter the reason. You say you did it for the right reason and you were trying to save as many lives as possible. But you lied. So why should I believe anything you have to say after that? Because maybe what you're telling me now is a noble lie. It might be for the right reasons, but I can't trust what you're saying because you already said you lied to me about the masks. Now, the lockdowns. This is what I've been saying for the last two years almost, right? Is, hey, uh, there were a lot of negative consequences to the locking down and we need to have an accounting of all of the costs. Because people still believe that the lockdown saved all these lives and they only look at one side of the ledger, but there were costs to it. There needs to be an accounting of the costs and there needs to be people that take ownership of these decisions and say, I made a mistake. Now, Fauci doesn't say he made a mistake here, of course, just that him being the all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, you know, St. Fauci, uh, he knew, of course, He's almost as smart as the virus, and the virus knows everything. So he's almost as smart as COVID-19, So, uh, which makes sense, because if they were the ones that made it, then, uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But um, 
if this is the case, you knew all of these side effects, but didn't tell everybody about these terrible side effects, these uh, collateral negative consequences, we have another example of a noble lie, right? Maybe it's a lie of omission. It's a lie nonetheless. Fauci's comments came during day one of the Atlantic Festival, which is uh, it's a gathering where they uh, celebrate the ocean, I think. That's what that's about. Yeah, it's out there in the middle of the high seas. No, it's um, the Atlantic as a publication. And so they put on this uh, festival, the Atlantic Festival. And they think if they call it festival that it'll sound fun, right? Like, oh, look at me. I can get a big drumstick turkey leg. But no, it's just a three-day convention put on by the media outlet The Atlantic that features speeches and interviews from prominent members of the media, the government, and political activists. But I repeat myself. So uh, the Atlantic Festival has Fauci there, and he says, when you have a divisiveness, when you have a divisiveness in society, where every time you say something, you have X number of people with social media looking to attack it. That adds to the understandable confusion when you're dealing with an evolving outbreak. Right. See, so maybe, I don't know, you would use you would use the opportunity to like not lie to people. Because if you got people attacking you, no matter what you say, maybe you maybe you present all of the information, you be as transparent as possible, you don't tell the lies. And this way you can't be accused or attacked with misinformation, right? He then justified the COVID-19 guidance, including pushing the federal government to mandate lockdowns, masking, and later vaccination because hospitals were being, quote, overrun. He said, when you make, rec- when you make recommendations, if the primary goal when you're dealing with a situation where the hospitals were being overrun in New York... Intense, sorry, New York. Intensive care units were being put in hallways. You have to do something that's rather draconian. And sometimes when you do draconian things, it has collateral negative consequences. Just like when you shut things down, even temporarily, it does have deleterious consequences on the economy, on the school children. You know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know that now. Some people still actually don't know that, like teachers unions and such, but and Biden. But, um, yeah, there were people during the uh, the lockdowns when you guys were rolling this stuff out. And when we were saying, yeah, I'm not really sure. Is this really necessary? What kind of side effects are going to have guys like Dan Forrest, who were he was running for governor of North Carolina. And you had a majority of the council of state here uh, in North Carolina. These are the statewide elected offices. A majority of those 10 positions were not on board with the closing of the businesses. And Governor Cooper did it anyway. See, Governor Cooper was empowered by Fauci. Now, if Fauci thought, hey, you know what? There were all these side effects. And he had said, hey, there were all these side effects. Just be aware. Well, now that could have undermined the public support for what he wanted to see done. So he just kept his mouth shut about it. Right. As did Governor Cooper. I wonder if anybody in the North Carolina media would stick a mic in Cooper's face, maybe while he's at the golf tournament, and ask him, hey, this is what Fauci said. What do you think? Do you regret doing the lockdowns? Right, I'm reminded by 
friend Andy here on Twitter that UNC, Dr. Barrick, part of the EcoHealth Alliance, was given the highest North Carolina award, I believe that was the Order of the Longleaf Pine, right, by Governor Ray Cooper, honoring his work on the vaccines. Interesting. Or on vaccines. Very interesting. Justin writes in also, will be interesting where all of this leads. Where else are these labs working on gain of function? What types of projects are being worked on? Also, why were these things being done in such a laundered manner? Uh, well, the the reason why they were overseas was because this, this stuff got banned. Gain of function research was banned uh, in America, so they this was the workaround, right? Just like, you know, slave labor is banned in America. That's why uh, we go through China. Same thing, same reason. Oh, I kid, Nike. I'm just kidding. Um, all right, fine. Apple, too. Then there's this story, Daily Wire. Uh, oh, they've, they've caused quite a, uh, quite a hullabaloo in Tennessee. Matt Walsh, the guy who did the movie What is a Woman? <laughs> well, you know, so Daily Wire is the, uh, this is the company that uh, Ben Shapiro started, right? And DailyWire.com, and uh, they're also the ones uh, with uh, Jeremy Boring, who uh, launched the uh, I Hate Harry's website and their uh, uh, their razor company, right? Jeremy's Razors. <laughs> this is their fighting back against cancel culture and all that. And so Daily Wire just relocated all of their operations out of California and set up shop in Tennessee. And... Uh, well, I guess this makes perfect sense because they went and looked at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, right, in Tennessee. And Matt Walsh, in looking at VUMC, or as I like to call it, VUMC, uh, he found shocking details. Video and archived web pages from the medical center details a doctor's promotion of, quote, the big money maker, end quote. What's the big money maker? No, no, no. It's it's not vaccines. No, it's not gain of function research. What's the big money maker at Vunk? Transgender therapies and surgeries. That's the big money maker. Her words. Oh, and there's also some threats against medical professionals who object for religious reasons. <laughs> that has a little a little uh, gravy on top. Vunk Clinic for Transgender Healths. Dr. Shane Siebold Taylor, that's her name. She is on the video. I saw the video. I watched both of these video clips, um, and, and I'm not going to play them because it's. Uh, <clears throat> it looks like somebody shot the video from their phone while they were attending the conference or this uh, or this seminar or whatever it was, uh, and so the audio is not great. It's, it's sort of room audio. It's intelligible, but... Uh, if you want to go find it, you can find it and you can listen. But it doesn't. It's not going to come across very, uh, very well on the radio. So, uh, I'll just read to you what she said, and I'll read it in a female voice so you know. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I'm not trying to assume anyone's pronouns or genders. But uh, this is the uh, the leader of the Vumk Clinic for Transgender Health, and here's what she said: "Quote, it's a lot of money. These surgeries." make a lot of money. She noted that chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000 per patient. 40k per patient. 
And someone, quote, just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars and actually makes money for the hospital. She then cited some data that came out of the uh, Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery. And, uh, for example, the, uh, the bottom surgery that is performed on the girls, that can generate $20,000. And she keeps on saying in her comments uh, that she thinks these are undercounts, these are underestimates. She thinks this is actually a low-ball number. Sorry, that's probably not the best term here. Um, so she's saying this is an underestimate. I think there's, uh, she says, I think that there's way more money that they're actually pulling in than just 20K per surgery. Hospital stay, anesthesia, post-op visits, and other, quote, add-ons are not included in that $20,000 total, she said, which I would agree with her. $20,000 does seem like an undercount. It's 20K just for the surgery. Then you get to... You get to layer in the anesthesia, the post-op visits, the hospital stay, you know, $70 boxes of Kleenex, that sort of stuff, right? Okay. The female-to-male bottom surgeries are, quote, huge money makers. end quote. The surgeries could bring in up to $100,000 for the hospital. She said subclinics, some clinics, are entirely supported financially just by the phalloplasty surgeries. In other words, carving up your forearm, that's what they do. Were you aware of this? If you're trying to add the male components to the female form, you got to get the material from someplace, right? And the someplace they take it from is your forearm, the, the underside. So, uh, I don't know, like, you know, on the top of the forearm, you've got hair that grows. But usually for a lot of guys on the bottom of the forearm, there's not a lot of hair growing there. Um, and so they'll take that and they make the the male components. I mean, of course, it leaves you horribly disfigured. Your arm is like it, it looks like a, almost like a shish kebab, right? Because it's just the, all of it is just like carved out, just completely hacked up. And uh, and it's on a very obvious part of your body, right? But they just they 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 just scrape all of that stuff down. They they carve up all of that stuff, take it all off the arm, and then build you a a, a fake piece, the family jewels, if you will. Which, by the way, I heard somebody mention this. When did uh, I mean? There's been a like I understand inflation and everything, but. Have you noticed what used to be called the family jewels are now junk? What's up with that? That's how did we come so far? Uh, all right, so some clinics are entirely funded by this. They sur- the surgeries are labor intensive. There are a lot of follow ups. They require a lot of time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. So that was one lecture at this. Uh, what was this thing called? The Grand Rounds. Oh, sorry, the Medicine. Grand Rounds Lecture. I have no idea why it's called that. It's a pretty silly name if you ask me. At another one of the lectures, staffers are warned by Vanderbilt health law expert Ellen Wright Clayton that any conscientious objection will be met with, quote, consequences and are 
told that they probably shouldn't be working at VUMC if they don't want to participate in the trans surgeries, which include surgeries on kids. So if you object to this for religious reasons, conscientious objections, whatever, you feel like, oh, you know what, I, I kind of Mengele kind of stuff we're doing here. You know, if, if you have any kind of second thoughts, any kind of uh, kinds of doubts, well, then you just are not VUMC material. Sorry, you are not VUMC material. You should leave. If you're going to assert conscientious objections, she said, you have to realize that that is problematic. One of my most reviled words. I hate that word. You are doing something to another person and you're not paying the cost for your belief. I think that is a real issue. Well, what's she talking about? She's saying, if you won't do the surgery, that means somebody else has to. Which is kind of the whole point of right medicine as a... As a right, I find this to be like she's making this argument against universal health care. You realize that? Because that's what people are requiring of others, right? That if I want you to do something, you have to do it. I I get to impress upon you for work. I get to force you into essentially servitude to me because this is my right. So you have to do this thing for me. And that's what, this is the argument she's making is that uh, if you won't do it, then that means we have to make someone else do it. So you're basically impressing someone else into service. Oh, by the way, the governor has now gotten involved after the story broke. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Tennessee Governor Republican Bill Lee has now called for an investigation of the pediatric transgender clinic at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, or as I call it, VUMC. The pediatric transgender clinic at Vanderbilt University Medical Center raises serious moral, ethical, and legal concerns, Lee said in a statement. We should not allow permanent life-altering decisions that hurt children or policies that suppress religious liberties all for the purpose of financial gain. We have to protect Tennessee children, and this warrants a thorough investigation. The medical center has also detailed transgender surgeries and treatments available for minors. Video from the Vanderbilt Psychiatry YouTube channel reveals the medical center, quote, explicitly admits they will give and have given irreversible hormone drugs to children as young as 13. So let's review. Vanderbilt got into the gender transition game, admittedly in large part because it is very financially profitable. They then threatened any staff members who objected and enlisted a gang of trans activists to act as surveillance in order to force compliance. They now castrate, sterilize, and mutilate minors as well as adults while apparently taking steps to hide this activity from the public view. This is what healthcare, quote unquote, has become in modern America. That's Matt Walsh on his Twitter feed after the reporting uh, at the Daily Wire. Okay, let's see here. Well, hello, Winston. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying a nice California maritage, and I started getting nauseating when you start talking about taking that skin off the, uh, that muscle off the forearm to put down. I guess, it's, it's, is it the vulva or the clitoris they're trying to... To re-resurrect down no, it's there the other. Guys. It's no, it's the other gender. They're taking it off of females and making it into the male component. 
Okay, maybe maybe that one was hitting me a little bit out of the gate pretty hard. Hey, listen, you know, we got bigger fish to fry out here. I'm kind of wondering this whole thing with uh, <laughs> Zelensky. Every time I see him on TV, he's begging the United States for some more money. Just exactly where is this money being appropriated from? And uh, I like, could you respond to that? Could I respond to to what? Why why you want to hear more about Zelensky or why he money? Where is the where is the money coming from that the United States is giving the war machine in Ukraine to to put up a defense against the, the Russian? If we weren't there, do you know the, Winston, you know the answer up. to that. You know the answer to that question, right? What is it? No, I said, you know the answer to that question. But COVID funds or what? No. Where, do, where does all the money that the American government spends well, come from? It's to be appropriated in the bills, each bill per, per Oh, that's per such an antiquated budget. view of things. No, no, we don't, we don't do, we don't do stuff. We, we don't do oh. appropriations like that anymore. We haven't done that in years. Hey, well, listen, listen, you were, t- you know, I'm trying to work on my reporter's license down here in uh, Clover. <laughs> you and- don't need a license, Winston. Anybody can do it. Well, okay. Let me, you know. So here, so no, this is a good, all right, here you go. No, this is a good example of it. Seri- I, I'm being dead serious with you because like, this is, I, I actually, uh, I, I gave a speech this morning to the Rotary Club down in uh, uh, the Union West Rotary Club. And I talked about this in, in terms of a podcast, but it, I, it's the same thing for uh, reporters and bloggers and, and, that, and that sort of thing. If if there's something that interests you, this is actually what Tim Pool. You know who Tim Pool is, the YouTuber guy, reporter guy. You ever heard of him? No, I, I listen to Alex Jones a lot. Oh, trying to fry him up there in Connecticut today. But anyway, oh go ahead. goodness. All right. Well, all right. So step one, stop listening to Alex Jones. Step two, this is what you want to do. Step two is you find a topic that that you are interested in, and if this is the the, the topic that really interests you, then dig into it. Right. You can get. You can get publicly accessible information. You can find out how much is being spent. Where is it coming from? Where is it going? You can track all of this stuff. You just have to do like Freedom of Information Act requests, or go into the you know government website and and look for uh, the the allocations and that sort of thing. Look at press release. Look at uh, other uh, uh, published stories, and okay. and dig into it. And you can develop the story, and then you post it. You 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 either uh, you know get yourself a uh, a website, right? Like, a just go and, and okay, get... Okay, I'm not a child. Uh, Pete, I'm not a child, okay? Let I didn't say you were a child. I'm, uh, you said you were working on a reporter's license, so it was clear you had no idea what the process is, so I didn't know how much information you need. All right, well, there's no license required to become a, a journalist. Okay, well, let me let me just hit you one more before I exit, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, this... The whole thing with 9-11 and, the, you know, the architects and engineers who have done the exhausting study really? of the Tower 7. Really, Winston? Down. Really? And they want a correction. They want a correction from the federal government that the, the, uh, the study that, uh, uh, that initially came out is false and fraudulent and junk science, and they have the correct science to, co- to counter the falsehoods that they say that, that that tower fell down, that exploded at 520 in the afternoon, and nobody really cares. Nobody really cares that 47-story skyscraper just happened to just drop out of the sky. Let's move on, Kitty. I thought uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was George W. Bush. I, see, Winston. See, Winston. Here's the problem. 
Do you know how insane you sound? I am insane. Well, all right. Well, there you go. See, I, there we go. We come to an agreement on things. This is what I'm all about. I bring people together. I find areas of compromise. Thank you for the call. Thank you for agreeing with me. Uh, that is what you sound like. It's absolutely what you sound like. Uh, and so uh, that might pose a bit of a problem in your journalisming. Um, although there are a lot of people in journalism that are insane. So maybe not. There you go, though, Winston. You could do the next loose change. There's a there's a grift out there for you, buddy. There are people that are really looking to make sense of chaos. And if you can give them some little thread to hang on to, they will grab it and give you money. Look at Alex Jones. All right. News is next. Thank <laughs> you.